Oh, here we go again. Uh, hey, everybody. Here we are yet again. You thought we'd quit. We don't quit. We're never quitters. Quitters never win. No winners never prosper. And one day we will prosper. And we're back with Dan. We're back with Corey. And we're back with another dad. We're going to continue our series of fatherly interviews. We're talking to Shiloh Hudson today. We're, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Shiloh. I'm coming in this blind, so I know very little about you. Uh, almost not much more than the fans or fans. What fans? The listeners. <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, uh, I'm 45. I, uh, uh, According to my wife, I'm very happily married. Um, <laughs> I've got three children. Um I, uh, I've, I've been around quite a while. I've done everything from uh, playing semi-pro football to uh, sitting in the back of the helicopter getting paid to kill rattlesnakes. I've done everything <laughs> I've ever wanted to do. At, at 28 years old, graduated high school thanks to the birth of my son that I figured I should do something with my life. Kind of changed everything. Um, and so I, am, I pride myself on, on teaching my kids to be better adults than I ever was. Um, my oldest is 17. Uh, I've got one daughter who she is my princess. Um, she is almost 15 and I have an eight year old who will be nine at the end of July. And, and he is, uh, he's my oops baby, but I wouldn't change anything <laughs> in the world for him. And the kid, the kid is awesome. Um, I have coached high school football. I, uh, was going towards a teaching degree and then COVID happened and kind of put the kibosh on that. But, um, I own a security company. I own an antique company. Um, like I said, man, if you can think of something stupid, I've probably done. <laughs> right on. Well, then uh, we should uh, have at least a little bit to talk to or to talk about. You've uh, you've got three kids, 17, 15, 18. So was that you, you say that that one was an oops baby, but did you ever have a planned number you know were you ever like it's just going to be this and nothing more no man i i thought uh and it was a uh, uh, 17 almost 15 and, and eight not 18 um so uh when i had my first one i was 28 years old um and i say first one and, and the running joke is the first one that i know of um there <laughs> may be more but i couldn't i couldn't swear to it uh I've never had anybody knock on my door and it's going to be 18 next year. So I figured I got one more year to worry about after that. I'm good. And when we found out my girlfriend at the time was pregnant, I was surprised. I didn't think I could have kids. Never really thought about the protection angle. Never really thought about pregnancy. Didn't really uh, care. I figured I would take care of whatever came forward and, and that was going to be it. So when he came along, it's like, man, that's awesome. You know, I, I got one. I, I don't need any more. Then after my wife and I we got married, we thought we'd try for one more and, and had a girl. And now my house is set. There's two adults, two children. We're perfectly matched. Fast forward a few years and I'm bored with life. And I figured, you know, let's have another one. And my wife says, absolutely not. Uh, and for some reason, either I talked her into it or neither one of us were paying attention. And, and we ended up with a third. And it's been, we're outnumbered. Now there's more kids than adults. But life's good life's really really good i love everything about it so to answer your question it wasn't a plan it just happened well you know we we actually did plan it so so i'm always a little bit curious you know what other uh couples have done or gone through we didn't have um any desire to even have kids until well into our relationship together 
right before we uh, we got married, actually. So it was just one of those things where one day we we were like, hey, let's do it. And then we started and uh, I guess it was like a month later she conceived. But anyway, I'm getting I'm getting away from the um, where we we're talking about. So I, I actually made a joke the other day uh, on a on a YouTube clip reel or video or I don't know what it was saying how if you're if you have three kids, then I'm pretty sure that the, or the rumor is if you have three kids then you have superpowers. So uh, if that rumor were to be true, let's not let's not say yes or no. But if that rumor were to be true, what superpower would you have? Mine would be the ability to be patient. Uh, <laughs> until I had three, I thought I was patient. I was very wrong. Uh, the third child is like the Tasmanian devil. Um, that kid has a million miles an hour setting, and that's it. Um, and so my superpower would be patience, and my wife's superpower would be taller, because she can put up with all my crap every single day. <laughs> um, she will tell you that, you know, if you ask her, she tells everybody she has four children, and the oldest one costs the most money and gives her the most gray <laughs> hair. And that happens to be me when you ask. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think you're right. I think when you have two children or one child, and you've got two parents in the house, uh, it's evenly matched. There's there's a there's an adult to handle every situation. When that third one or fourth one or, or fifth one comes along, you're kind of you're outnumbered, and now it takes teamwork to get anything done. Um, luckily, my wife is, is uh, she really is a rock star. Um, uh, she's allowed me to uh, fulfill a lot of my goals just by being her. Um, and, and because of that, our kids see the dynamic. Uh, we work very, very well together. But for me, it's patience. I've got to shut my mouth and just listen. And hers is tolerance because she has to let me be spontaneous and come up with stupid stuff. Uh, otherwise, we'll both go crazy. Uh, and so I think you're right. I think with three of the superpower, and that superpower has got to be teamwork, and we have to be the Wonder Twins, or it will fail. I was just about to say. So when you when you like combined, you're the Wonder Twins. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've got a I've got a couple more that uh, occurred to me throughout this, but uh, I don't want to hog everything. Do you have any uh, pertinent questions, Dan? Yeah. Um, when you when you uh, when you said when you had your first, you didn't really plan for it. Did you guys even were you even trying, or did it just? kind of spontaneously happen <laughs> so uh so to speak my, my wife and i uh i had went through a real bad uh, breakup and this was in in uh august of, of 2004 and uh i was bored and i said you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw a party i'm gonna invite a bunch of girls a couple of guys we're gonna have a party it was the Chiefs opening home weekend. We're going to watch football. We'll see what happens, right? So throughout the night, I, I talked to different girls, and and I got slightly intoxicated. And, and I do uh, I was doing card tricks. True story. My my wife, the only reason why we ever went out for our first date is because she lost a bet. Um, <laughs> but you should never bet against the magician anyway. Um, right. So, yeah, so she lost a bet. Uh, the next night, we went out. Um, that was September 12th, 2004. She was pregnant uh, by May, and we've been together ever since. Um, wow. There was never any looking back. We moved in together. We started dating in September. Uh, we moved in together uh, Halloween, so a month later. Hell, I didn't even know who her parents were. And her dad, um, when we found out she was pregnant, she went to go tell her dad. She was going to call him, and I said, no, you don't tell 
a guy you're pregnant over the phone, right? Let's go out there. Right. And he's a he's a rancher. Uh, he lives south of town. He's got uh, he's got mules and, and dogs and you know sixty five acres of land. So we go out there and and she, we're standing outside of his truck and he goes you know she goes uh, uh Dad, I'm pregnant and he goes oh you know congrats and he's staring at me the whole time and he goes oh congrats congrats he gives her a hug and she goes well I I really have to pee so she goes inside and leaves me standing outside with him uh, and he goes uh, oh man he goes so uh, are you gonna marry her and I said dude I have no clue so I'm 28 years old I'm a grown <laughs> man I'm I don't know what I'm gonna do yet and he goes uh, he goes well. You, you should marry her. And I went, yeah, probably, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out as we go along. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And he goes, you're not scared of me at all, are you? It's not a fucking bit. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you, me and that guy, we have been absolute best friends ever since. Uh, I think it was kind of one of those things that he wanted somebody who was going to take care of his daughter no matter what came up. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even about the, his grandkids. It wasn't about anything. It was just about he wanted a man who was going to be a man and was going to fight any battle that was right. Um, he never came at me cross. It was just that I imagine I will have the same conversation someday with whoever my daughter brings home. Um, mm-hmm. But and I imagine that conversation will probably go really, really similar. Um, but man, it, it I was afraid that him and I were, you know, we were going to butt heads forever. Oh, we care about the bad in-laws. But I love my in-laws. Um, do we see eye to eye on everything? No, but they allowed me to run my house with very little inter- intervention from them. Um, but they're there. They're, they yeah. they know they can come over and, and, and drink a beer on the back porch. We can, my, my mother-in-law comes to all my kids' games. I mean, dude, it's, I'm so blessed to be in this situation. I should be dead or in prison, or um, I should be on my ninth divorce. And yet this woman puts up with me and allows me to be the numbskull and uh, the knuckle dragger. And we're, we're still here. And it's, it's, you know, going on 19 years, man. It's phenomenal. Wow. Awesome. That's yeah, awesome. my knowledge, that makes you the only uh, successful rebound relationship ever. <laughs> oh, oh no. It, there are so many worse things I could say about that. <laughs> uh, uh, there's there's so many jokes that that write themselves. Um, some of them are, are very off color and bad bad humor, so I won't really get into too much of them. But my wife had had dated several people, and I had dated several people from all across the spectrum of of races and and religions and backgrounds, and yet she's here and I'm here, and our kids are loved and taken care of, and uh, I'm in I'm. I, Honestly, right before I got on here, I was kind of on cloud nine because my oldest son went to football camp today. Uh, and I've coached him from first grade, right, all the way till now. The kid is just he's, – he's awesome. But he got his first letter. He, he got his first uh, recruiting letter, and it's not in football. And I'm lost because it's in freaking pole vaulting. I didn't <laughs> even know pole vaulting gave scholarships. I thought it was wow. something you watched on TV when you were bored. No, this has <laughs> got a pole vaulting scholarship coming. And I have to pretend to be excited. I am excited, but I got to pretend to know what the hell it is because I'm not old. But he's good at it apparently, and I'm just going to have to stop wearing football jerseys and find out whatever they wear for football. That's Olympic type stuff right there. Yeah, it's so a big. And time. he is. He, he picked it up. Um, he picked it up freshman year uh, because he was bored. He had done wrestling. He had broke his ankle the very first wrestling meet his freshman year, so he didn't get to compete very much. Um, he came back right before uh, state, 
So he got to compete at the end of the year tournament. Um, but, you know, he went undefeated on the year. I mean, but you, you break your ankle and you don't get to compete any more than you win your last one. doesn't really count. Um, but, you know, we go to every football game and I'm always, you know, you got to be better. You got to be better. You got to be better. So he wanted to do something that I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So I couldn't coach him anymore. Um, <laughs> and he has taught me about it. Um, we watch YouTube videos. He criticizes what other people are doing. He's broken down the fundamentals of the sport and he's taught me something new. Again, like I said, my superpower is to shut up and let him talk. Um, it's not just my wife. I got to let them all do it. Um, he, he's worth every, every, every gray hair I have is worth it with these guys. Cool. Cool. What else you got, Dan? I was going to ask about the football thing. Um, you said you, you sent me a little like blurb about yourself mm-hmm. and it said that you coached and played from yeah. basically peewee to up to semi-pro. Um, yeah. Did you ever play semi-pro or did you yeah. just coach it? No, I uh, I played for several years. I, I played for uh, um, I played for some teams in Topeka. Um, I played for the Kansas Coyotes. I played for a team in uh, Kansas City for a while. I played for a team in Springfield for a while, uh, St. Joe. So I traveled for a while. Uh, and then I, I, I thought, you know, uh, I was I think I was 32 at the time. And I said, you know, I'm, I think I'm done playing. Um, and so me and a friend of mine, we started a team and, and we did it for a couple of years and I got burned out. So I, I, I went back to coaching youth. Then I had a friend say, I, I have a guy I want you to meet. And this is, his name was Jeremy Thomas. And, and he has, uh, uh, his background is just as, as off color as mine. The guy is awesome. He's, he's absolutely one of my best friends now. Um, but I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to coach adults, man. I'd much rather coach kids. Um, but I met with him and I drank a beer and, and three hours later I was throwing up another playbook and him and I uh, started a team Kansas Sentinels and we did that for four years um, and at the age of 40 uh, uh, retired from that we, we we shut the team down we kind of went our own way for a while so at 40 years old I was in fairly good shape my youngest child had never seen me play and so I contacted uh, a coach in um, uh Leavenworth, it was the first city cavalry, uh, semi pro team. Uh, I contacted that coach and said, You know, I coached against you for a while. My team has kicked crap out of your team for years. I'd love to come play just one more year. I ended up playing two. Um, and so my youngest child got to sit in the stands and watch me play. Um, at 40 years old, I made it to the all star game. And at that point, I said, Okay, I, I've accomplished what I set out to do. I'm, I'm done. Nice. Um, and, and, and I, I coached high school ball for a couple of years. Um, and uh, this is actually my first year of not coaching. I have I have more time. I have no idea what I'm doing with myself right now. Hmm. No clue. Yeah, it, it's so bizarre. I'm able to watch my kids do their stuff. It's it's kind of awesome. Well, I guess I'll take over for a little bit. I've definitely developed uh, quite a few questions while you've been talking. I don't know. That we'll get to all of them. <laughs> my ADD wants me to, or my obsessive compulsive disorder, rather wants me to do these kind of in the order that they came to me. So. We will take a a couple steps back. You've done, you're basically a jack of all trades as far as careers. And I was wondering which of those stands out to you as as being your favorite, Uh, you know, um, nothing too complicated. I'm just curious. Obviously, you moved on from from one to the next for one reason or or another. But which of those, you know, was your was your favorite uh, place to work? You know, um, uh, I love at every job I've ever done. And this is this is kind of a BS answer. It's a CYA answer, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, because it's the truth. At every job I have ever worked, 
I have learned something that made me better for the next job. At one point in time, I was with Subway for almost 15 years. I I, um, I had started out as a, an assistant manager. A month later, was running a store. Uh, ended up running you know six different stores over a few years. And new owners bought the franchise I was with, and and they made me an operations manager. So now I'm running 15 stores. At the time, I still had no no high school diploma. I didn't have a college degree. I wasn't I wasn't any smarter than anybody else. I was just going to outwork everybody. And so that taught me a lot about the business aspect of things, which just made me want to go do something else for myself. Um, the job that I, I absolutely will always love uh, is working for myself. Uh, I started a security company about 15 years ago with some buddies of mine. We had been bouncing at bars, big guys, football players. We're going to bounce, right? Um, bouncing at strip clubs. That's, you know, that's the best job in the world. Uh, to get carpal tunnel, um, but it was um, it was it was fun that we were able to get out and we started working with different uh, promoters and managers. And um, one of the promoters I, I work with quite a bit is Dudes Alley Productions. The guy uh, I've worked uh, stage security for different venues, but I've I've met over the last fifteen months. Tech Nine, Chris Calico, Haystack, Yuck Mouth. I mean, some of these guys. We've done security for uh, the expo where they had Jeff Dunham come through. I mean, some of these guys I, I've never even heard of until I get a phone call. I don't advertise anywhere. I, this year, I finally started a Facebook page because I was told I had to. But um, I've never advertised. It's always been word of mouth. People call me. And if you don't have my number, that means that you don't need to hire me. Hire somebody else. I've got 25 of my best friends that work with me. Um, they don't work for me. They work with me. We all kind of we take a contract on, we all split the pay evenly. Nobody makes any more than anybody else. Um, I'll do all the work on the backside so that we all get paid on the front side. But we do festivals and we do concerts and we do parties. I mean, we, we have so much fun, but um, just being able to work for myself, you know, not having to punch in the clock, not having to worry about um, doing things to anybody else's standards. I set my own tone and it's worked out for me, but I couldn't have done any of that. I would never be successful at anything if it wasn't for people along the way giving me an opportunity to teach me something, uh, whether it was the business operations manager with Subway or selling used cars or working for Veritech oil recording, laying cable in the desert, whatever. I mean, somebody has taught me something along the way. Just took all people, somebody take a chance on me. And so I'm always willing to help out. Like as soon as I heard about the podcast with you guys, I, whatever I can do to help. I've got people, I, I have a guy coming over next week. He started his own photography studio. I is absolutely phenomenal behind a camera. Has no idea how to run a business. I can help with that. I can just teach you. And I do uh, business and personal accounting throughout the year. I do bookkeeping for a couple of clients. But I've told him that, you know, I will teach you everything about the LLC game, but I will not be your first accountant. A couple stakes, I'll spend five hours teaching you everything you want to know. But you're not going to pay me. And you're not going to hire me until you go meet with other accountants first. And if you want to hire me, great. But I don't want to be the first guy because I want you to see what else is out. And if somebody else can do it right at a better price, then do it. But let me teach you enough so you don't get um, And that's kind of, I do that for everybody. I teach high school seniors how to do their taxes. And I'll do it for free. As long as you give me 30 minutes of your time, I can teach you what tax will be. Because nobody ever taught me any of that. I had to learn it the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a... Uh... Sadly, that's the way with a lot of us. Uh, no one was there to, you know, to teach us uh, before it became a problem. Right. As I said, I'm just going to take these in the order I came. So we jump ahead from there or backwards, however you want to put it, to children. 
And I've got a buddy that he doesn't post a lot on Facebook, but when he does post, it's all about how he's introduced his child to his daughter, uh, to something new that he had loved uh, from a, uh, his childhood, whether it was a cartoon or a movie, uh, music, what have you. And 100% of the time, she's just, I don't have time for that, dad. That's that's lame. I don't love it. And I thought I was beginning to think that that was the case with every child. That being said, I spoke to a gentleman uh, on the podcast a little while ago, and, and he said that his three kids pretty much all like the same thing he does. I just got lucky that way. Uh, I was wondering what it was like in your house. So I truly believe your kids would teach you just as much as you teach them if you let them. So. You know, each of my kids have their own personality. They're, they're, if you ask my oldest son, what's your number one job in life? From birth, he's been taught to be a better man than my, my dad. So he'll tell you that. Any stranger on the street, ask him that. That's his first answer. Uh, my youngest son, I really think he's either going to be a serial killer or he's going to rule the world. I mean, he is Stewie from, from you know, uh, family guy. So we kind of... We take it piece by piece, like my my youngest son, him and I can watch Thundercats, right, from the, the 80s. We can watch Thundercats and have no problem at all. He loves Thundercats. My oldest son will sit and watch uh, Killer Toms from Outer Space. That movie's 30 years old, but I have to watch Breaking Bad with him, or I have <laughs> to watch, you know, South Park, or it's kind of a give and take. And what I think is cool, if there's something that I'm passionate about, if I take the time to explain it to my kids and they're not passionate about it. No problem. But they're going to listen to me and give me the chance to gush about something because they know when they bring home that next project, I'm going to let them gush to me and I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to be involved because they're going to be involved. There's never a time that my kids have ever shut me down from the oldest one who's almost 18 to the youngest one who's almost nine. They never shut me down. They never shut my wife down. Now, they might say, I'm too busy right now. Can we come back to this? Cool. Tell me when, right? So I want to know when we can talk about it because I'm passionate right now. But the, the squirrels in my head, I may not be passionate tomorrow. So when do we want to talk about this? Um, and they do the same thing, whether it's artwork or reading books or watching TV or my daughter She's not the most artistic person in the world when it comes to drawing or things like that, but she can tell you a story. Um, she can write it out and make you visualize it in your head. But she's really into diamond dots, which is another form of art. You know, uh, my youngest son, nobody knew it until last week. He can draw. Um, he, he sat and drew uh, puss and boots. I, I mean, I actually shared it on Facebook last week. I was stoked because I had no idea where it came from. He's almost nine. I didn't know he could draw. He didn't know he could draw. Um, it's just kind of, kind of cool. But to answer your question, it, in my house, it kind of works. It's a mixture of the two, you know, if I rush you and tell you, you have to enjoy it because I do, I'm going to shut you down pretty quickly. I feel like if my kids come to me and they're forcing something on me, I'm not going to be into it either. But if, if they come and they just start talking about how passionate they are about something, it makes me want to pay attention. If I, if I can describe to you something and and you feel the passion I have for it, you kind of want to know why I'm passionate about it. Whether you like it or not doesn't matter. You want to know what just made that tick for you. And if and if I can let you feel that same tick, then you know how to relate your ticks to me. You know, does that make sense? Um, yeah. 
it's just kind of, I'm glad I had kids when I did. So when I was younger, um, uh, I, I don't hide anything from my children. My children know the truth. Um, I was incarcerated for a while. I was a, I was a real turd growing up. Um, uh, had a very, very horrible home life. Uh, bounced house to house. I was uh, faced abuse in different houses. Um, uh, hell, I was fighting from the time I was seven. I mean, uh, it just it was what it was. Um, and so, you know, when I got older, um, I had just gotten out of jail when I met my my soon to be wife, right, uh, and had been on this career path with Subway that I wasn't real sure where it was going to go, and and everything just kind of clicked for me. Um, the day my son was born was the first time in my life I'd ever cried, right? Um, uh, cried and I, and I prayed to God. I said, God, please don't let this kid grow up like me. Um, and that was that was the beginning of everything. Everything changed for me. I had to find something I was passionate about that was positive. And it was have to be that kid. And all my kids are like that. As as a parent, the the aged responses, you know, would you would you die for your kids? Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? But, but will you live for your kids? And that just changed everything for me. It had to. Um, I could have been a young thug in and out of jail all the time. I could have kept drinking. I could have kept uh, doing some of the recreational narcotics I was doing, or I could throw all of that crap away and just live for my family. And I wouldn't change any of it. Right on. Um, I do have a quick question back about the, um, about what the, his, uh, it actually piggybacks off of his, when you said you, uh, you kind of exposed your kids to stuff that you liked and they kind of picked, picked and chose what they wanted. Um, did you, did you do that with football too, with your son, or did he come to you one day and be like, daddy, I really want to play football like you, or, um, uh, obviously that's, that was probably your influence, but is that something you, that he came to you with or that you can said, Hey, what do you think about this? You know, my wife was very scared that I was going to force him into it. And I felt if I did that, um, I was going to do the same mistake to my dad. And so I exposed him to it. I showed him what it was. We watched it every weekend. Um, but if he wanted to go play video games with his friends and not watch the game, go ahead. But over time, by the time he was getting into the second grade, he's like, and I, I, I want to play football with my friends. Cool, let's go. And then the, the, the coaches of the teams that were around here, they weren't fundamental coaches. They were, here's the playbook, let's do this. But they didn't explain the why behind any of it. And, and for me, even as a kid growing up, I wanted to know why. I was doing this move at this time so that I could get the muscle memory to react faster for myself. Um, and so that's what I did with them is I took this first and second grade team, which is really kind of like herding cats um, and got them to let's just work on five plays. But before we ever open up a playbook, let's go back to what a fundamental stance is. What's a three point? What's a two point? What's the edge? What are the positions? What are the gaps? All of that. What's an eye technique? What's a two tech? We went through all of that. And I had second grade kids that could talk football with adults because they knew the fundamentals. Now they couldn't play call. They couldn't recognize a play. But they could show you what a three-point stance was supposed to look like versus a four-point stance and when you're supposed to switch between the two on the defensive line. When you've got a second grader who could explain that to you, he's going to do something with his life uh, as far as sports go. And that, again, pole vaulting it's not football now he's a varsity player this year but if he wants to do this it's my job to let it 
I could have told him, you know, we have to do every football camp. We have to do, and don't get me wrong, I was pissed last summer because he paid to do a pole vaulting camp, which was on the same day as the first day of varsity camp, right? Well, I was livid, but that's what he wanted to do. He paid for it with his own money. He made up for it the next day at camp. I could be mad, but it's worked out for him. So if you're going to put the time in, whatever it is, I don't care. All three of my – well, no, 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 take it back. My, my boys both know how to play chess. They did chess club, right? When your eight-year-old comes home from chess club and wants to play chess with you, you're going to beat him. But if he knows what the what the pieces are called and how they're supposed to move, beat him slowly, right? You don't beat, you don't beat an eight-year-old in three plays. Um, <laughs> but if you can beat him in 20 moves, he feels like he has accomplished something. Plus, you get to talk with your kid, right? I've learned more over a chess board with my kids. I don't even like chess, but I've learned more playing chess with them than I ever did watching TV, right? Um, I learned more at football games. I, I learned which kids are doing drugs. I learned which kids are dating who. I learned which kids, which girls are having sex before, you know, before school and after school. I've, I've learned that stuff from my kids. And I'm not drilling them and I'm not asking questions, look for answers. I can have a conversation and they're sidetracked by all the other stuff going on that they don't realize how much information they're giving you. If you will just shut up and let them talk. Again, that's my, my superpower, patience. Just shut up. Shut up and let them do it. They will be successful if you get out of their way. How far it's working. Uh, really good, uh, really good content. Like you you say things that are almost common sense in a way, but they're I'm just like. Why didn't I think of that? Well, it, you know, my dad always told me common sense ain't that common. I think George Carlin said it too. George Carlin said that the average person in the world is stupid. And to get that <laughs> average number, half of them had to be more stupid than that, right? Yeah. I was that stupid guy for most of my life. Um, my wife allowed me to kind of grow up. Um, she didn't force anything on me. She just allowed me to realize that I was making mistakes. And then when my son was born... Those mistakes couldn't be made anymore. Otherwise, I was going to drag him down. But rather than me drag him down, I let my wife and my kid pull me up. Um, I wouldn't change anything. I say it all the time, man. I, 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 I've said it like 40 times a day. I wouldn't change anything. I'm, dude, I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed with my life. You know, I'm not, I'm not the richest guy. We live in a great house. We live in a great neighborhood. All my bills are paid. Uh, we're able to travel. We're able to do dumb stuff. But... I don't buy, I didn't buy my son his first car. His grandma gave it to him, but in order to get it, we flew down to Arizona and drove it back. I could have had it towed. I could have had it shipped. No, you're going to spend 19 hours in a car with me. Let's go. Um, uh, it's just a road trip we had to take, right? Um, my wife and my daughter last year for Mother's Day, I flew them to Phoenix for Mother's Day. We could have all went, but I wanted them to go. We're not the, we're not the Brady Bunch. We do dumb stuff still. I mean, we we get into arguments. We we have our moments where, you know, we have to shut up and take a time out from each other. Everybody in this house has the same right. You know, you, we all have a 10-minute rule, right? Uh, my wife actually came up with this while we were still dating. We have a 10-minute rule. Getting pissed off about something, you can take 10 minutes. Uh, and all you have to do at any point in time is say, I need my 10. And everybody else has to shut up and leave you alone for at least 10 minutes. And during that time, everybody kind of gets to figure out if is this conversation even worth having. After 10 minutes, you come back to it. And if you have to pick it back up, now we can. But nobody's pissed off anymore. 
And a lot of times when we come back together, it's, you know what? I think we've all said what we have to say. There's nothing else to say. We kind of solve our own problems by just shut up and get out of the way. Take your time. And that's worked for us. I mean, it may not work for everybody, but for us being able to say whatever you want to say at any point in time and then shut up and get out of the way works. It works for us. We all have our own space. We can all get out of each other's way. And then that way, you don't ever have anybody getting the last word because there is no last word. You've dropped the conversation. If we need to pick it back up, we can't. But let's calm the hell down and just figure out what's going to happen. Cool, cool. I actually wrote down the uh, to remember that because that's a good uh, that's a good rule to to employ with whatever size family you might have. One child, three children doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. It, you get ten minutes, your entire attitude can change. No matter how mad you are, um, if you take ten minutes of silence, you will drop your aggression. It's just it's almost a psychological rule. Uh, uh, Bipolar people, ADHD people, normal people. If you take 10 minutes separating from the problem, the problem is no longer as big as it was. Problem didn't go away, and, and, but now you can address it differently. If you take that 10 minutes of isolation away from whatever has already pissed you off, your aggression level will drop. Uh, it just works, man. It really does. I was almost... I was 28 when I figured that out. If I learned that when I was 12, I'd have never gotten in trouble in the first place. Uh, before I uh, jump back in here, Dan, did you have anything else that you were uh, thinking about right now, ruminating on? Uh, yeah, this one thing. And he's, like I said, you sent me that little blurb about yourself. Um, I consider coaching at least like Pee Wee and, you know, high school football, like part of being involved in your community. It said, you said that you were involved in your community. Is that it? Or is there more that you do? No, there's a lot more. Um, we volunteer a lot. Not as much as we used to, but at one point in time, even with like my youth team, uh, we would go to the Salvation Army and feed the homeless on Thanksgiving Day. We stay involved with the church. We volunteer to help out, you know, even neighbors. My my oldest son wants to be a youth pastor, so that means most of my sleazy jokes I cannot tell at home. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, even like Labor Day, we're out at the store. I'm trying to get some stuff and go, right? I have a place to be. I don't want to be here anyway. I hate Walmart, but we got to grab some supplies and we got to go. So I go through the line and I'm walking out the door. My oldest son isn't there anymore. I turn around and he's behind me helping some guy scan it. He was in a wheelchair and my son is helping him scan the groceries and putting them in bags for him. And I'm like, we got to go. <laughs> but at the same time, this is pretty awesome. I've raised a good human being, right? Yeah. Even better than me. Again, that, that's his job. But it was just kind of cool to see. And, you know, we we help. We were going to foster. We just we backed away from fostering, but we still do a lot of clubs. We still do a lot of events with um, neighborhood kids and single parent families. Kids are always welcome to my house. Always. Like, uh, I'll hang up the uh, projector screen outside and we'll, we'll do a drive-in movie in the backyard. I don't care everybody is welcome here until you're not right and so you know we do uh christmas eve is always a big one uh, for me a, a lot of a lot of our friends you know they're they're split families or single parent families and so they'll bring their kids over here and they will go finish wrapping presents or doing whatever they have to do and then they'll come back and get their kids 
Uh, and when they come here, everybody brings a present for their kid, right? Everybody gets a box to open. It's got a, a pair of pajamas. It's got a pack of hot cocoa and a bag of popcorn. And they play games and they watch movies. And that gives us all a couple of hours to digress. And then the old guy is going to sit in a chair and read the night before Christmas and send everybody home at 11 o'clock. That's always open. So, you know, we've had our kids invite friends of theirs that some of their families don't come from very good neighborhoods. Um, some of their families don't come from very good situations at all. Some of the families, they can't afford to even do the pajamas and stuff. So we will do that for them. For me, it's more about, I have one chance to get it right. I have one chance to make sure I don't screw up my kid. I've got one chance to make sure my kids see me being the type of person I want them to be. And so for us, it, it really is about how can we help. My wife, she's on two different PTOs, right? She uh, is the treasurer of the PTO at my youngest son's school, and she just became the president of the PTO at the high school. I don't know how the hell she does that. And she's a full-time nurse, and she's a substitute nurse for the school district, and she puts up with my shit full-time, right? I have no idea how this woman does it. It's just her way of giving back. She never wants to stop. So there's times where I'm like, okay, you're done. <laughs> no more projects for a while, right? But then she has the same right to tell me, you know, you've got to give up something because you're doing too much. We both, we both tend to volunteer a lot. If somebody needs it, we find a way to do it, even if we don't want to do it. We say yes way more than we say no. If we say no, there's going to be a really, really good one. I just don't want my kids to ever think that, they, that they're too busy to help. Because we're never too busy, unless there's something major. Once again, good. Um, like there's, there's a lot of times where I will talk to, you know, some of these dads and we talk about all number of things. And then after it's over and done with, I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't really delve into like, dad advice and and dad experiences and 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 things like that and you're giving that for free so i thank you appreciate that i'm not gonna have to worry about that one this time i did have a couple of questions that kind of were uh, meant to uh, keep things kind of lighthearted. you mm -hmm. and one of them i only i only am asking because you brought this up in a, in a roundabout way we asked one of our uh, guests this question and he actually gave a really good uh, answer uh, that caught me off guard. So you said that that your son, I think you said it was your youngest, is either going to be a serial killer or a superhero. <laughs> Let's say he comes to you with the with the uh, worst of the two options, and he says, mm -hmm. "Dad, I've mm -hmm. been killing people for a while now, right. and and I'm having trouble uh, finding places to hide the bodies. Where do you take that? Uh, right. Do you do you go straight into you know Let's hide the bodies? Do you?" go to man what's wrong with you <laughs> or you know where, where do you take that uh, that question so uh, it's rough it's rough because you never want your kids to be in a bad spot right you're you you feel like if your kid's ever in that downward spiral then it's somehow it's got to be your fault so if you give me a room for plausible deniability i'll take it if you come to me and say dad i need to borrow a shovel uh, and or I need to dig a hole six foot by three foot by six foot deep. Eh, maybe it's a dog. I don't know. Right. Um, uh, plausible deniability. I never saw anything, you know, but no, to be to be completely serious, I would hope that if my kid ever came to me with a problem like that, um, I could be dad first. And dad first is I have to protect him from putting himself in any worse spot. I have raised my kids to know that even when you get in trouble, you always get in more trouble by lying. 
So I want my kid to have the the integrity, even in a bad situation. You know, Dexter, if you are Dexter, <laughs> Dexter told the truth a lot. Just nobody ever listened to him. I want my kid to be able to come to me and say, Dad, I, this is what I've done wrong. You know, I, 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 I idolized Dead Bundy when you told me not to. Um, and, and now I've got this serious problem. What can we do? Well, you got to turn yourself in. But I'll stand by you. And I'll stand with you the entire time. And if, if it requires me to visit you daily in jail, I'll never give up on I will always love my kid, even if I don't like him. I have to protect the rest of my family from one. But that no matter what, he should know that he's got a mom and dad who loves him. He's got a brother and sister who love him. And the four of us will protect him as much as possible. We will not hide anything. Because the second I tell one lie, I'll tell 40. The second I commit one crime, I'll commit 40. The second I allow my child to be the worst of the worst, only because I am the worst of the worst. So that doesn't mean that bad kids can't come from good homes. That doesn't mean that good get, good kids can't make mistakes, because all of that is very true in the real world. But in a, in a real world sense, my integrity is just as important to me as I want my kids to be to them. So if he comes to me and says, you know, I, I, I've committed these horrible acts, and it's my job as his dad to walk him through the jail doors and stand there. I'll be in the front row of every hearing. I'll be in the front row of the entire trial. I will stand in front of the, the press and tell them I love my child. Uh, but my child's life is not worth more than anybody else's, any other child's life. But if I got to commit a crime to go back to prison to help him out, I guess I'll have to. But um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't let him hurt people um, any more than I would want anybody to hurt him. Empathy is a great thing. If everybody practiced it and actually could take the time to put themselves in other people's shoes, we would never have a war. We would never have a fight. We would never have right versus left or red versus blue. We could really, if, if you can use empathy, see the world through somebody else's eyes you'll learn how they need to see there's not enough of it maybe that should be a superpower i don't think i'm quite there yet uh, and there's days where i i teach my kids about empathy and I'm driving down the street and somebody cuts me off and i'll throw the middle finger and i will cuss and cuss and cuss and my dad will go or my, my son will go dad maybe that person's in an emergency Maybe they've got a very serious situation they've got to get home to. And my daughter will go, well, maybe he's got to poop, right? Um, but uh, if I was using empathy, maybe I wouldn't have ever reacted the way I reacted to begin with. And, and that's where I know I'm going right with my kids because they're smarter than I am. They're able to point out. Now, maybe they're just needling that a little bit. They at least have the the integrity to point out when I'm being wrong. It's awesome to see firsthand. There you go again, taking a silly question and turning it into great content. <laughs> uh, I dare you to do that. I dare you to do that with this next one. <laughs> so this is something that I've started to ask most of the dads, depending on the tone of the uh, the interview. Sometimes I don't get to it. But with that being said, one of the things that I'm interested in just personally is the paranormal. And I was wondering if you yourself have any uh, experience, any stories about uh, aliens, ghosts, anything of that nature. 
Okay, so I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I have lived in 42 different states. I have seen things that I could not explain. Um, I've heard my name said in rooms where nobody else was in. Um, I have been sound asleep. My wife is at work. and I swear I hear her say my name. So, you know, paranormal, probably. Freaky, definitely. Scary, not a bit. Uh, I, I, I tell people I'm... I'm I'm too dumb to die young. Um, I'll fight a bear with a toothpick. I don't care. I'm not scared of anything. Uh, have I had goosebumps raised because the bathroom water turned on? Yeah, this happened once or twice. Um, uh, some of the houses that we've grown up in. Um, I was I was seven years old, sound asleep. My brother, little brother, and I were sharing a room. Uh, this was in this was in Lansing, Kansas. Um, sound asleep. It could have been more than. 10 or 11 o'clock at night, man, yeah, I just got smacked in the face. Like hard. I woke up with a handprint. Had been asleep. We moved out of that house shortly after. Um, never knew anything about it. Never never had any follow-up. I don't remember anything else. So paranormal, there's, you know, again, my kids experienced any of that? No. But they've also seen weird lights in the sky. And it was way before uh, Elon Musk's satellites came out, right? Um, anybody could point at it now and go, that's a satellite. But we've been in some weird, weird places. Wow. Eight, right? Yeah, we do a lot of this stuff. But You uh, you hit that from every angle. That's you right. Had, uh, that's right. You had the ghost. You have real experiences. You, have, you saw you, what may or may not have been aliens. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't have anything even remotely um, approaching that from my own personal <laughs> experience. So it's always good to get other people's lie you know they're their stories and i almost said lives but that's too general so to determine you know for myself is this is this just a fantasy you know is this is this bigfoot or is this is there something here you know because it i like to i'm, I'm getting older i'm uh 41 this year and i like to believe that there's still a little bit of magic in the world you know even right. even if it's coming from a, a ghost or an alien you know whatever the case may be i like to pretend uh, if nothing else that there's more to this world than you know than we know um mm -hmm. even though we've been here and and there's you know eight billion of us at this point i like to think that there's a you know some kind of uh fantastical quality still to i guess show my son as, as he's getting older so that he he can keep that kind of uh i guess younger more uh open mind that that i struggle to to keep myself at this uh old age and um uh, I'll, I'll so yeah that's you, cool that you got so much what's that I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that i used to make fun of people because i'm not into cryptology like i i don't think we're ever going to find a big that doesn't say we won't but because there's a lot of the country that we haven't set foot on yet right um but I've never seen anything remotely approaching that. And I've been all over the place. I've been in the Appalachian Mountains. I've been in the Rocky Mountains. I've never seen anything approaching. I've been in Alaska. Never saw any. I never saw a Yeti. What does it hurt to believe in something? What does it right. hurt? Uh, if you believe in Tinkerbell as being a real fairy, what does that hurt you to believe it? Um, same thing with religion. Same thing with um, stock market. Um what does it hurt you to have a little faith? Uh, if it makes you a better person and it gives you something to look forward to, if you are 
religious to go to church on Sundays and you are in a closet and pray with a guy wearing a little white lanyard around his neck, cool. That's your faith, man. If it makes you a better person, do it. If you believe in the flying spaghetti monster, great. If it makes you a better person, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, um, whether it's religion, whether it's your personal morals, whether it's I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, except for the Denver Broncos, go right ahead. Live your life. It, it seems like you've uh, caught some of my literature about the uh, our savior, the flying spaghetti monster. If you're really interested so, in, in, so, in when I was in, when I was in high school, that was one of the jokes that went around for a long time. Is we we're going to create a religion about the flying spaghetti monster and the, the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leaders and. Um, <laughs> When we sat down, I can't remember who it was. It, it, friends of mine, we played D&D growing up. And I remember we had sat down. We were going to come up with our own religion. Right? We were going to create our own cult. Uh, and as we were writing our own form of the Bible, you know that almost every Bible that has morals in it, they all come down to basically the same thing. And that is treat people well. Right? That's, if you break down the Ten Commandments, if you break down pretty much every religion from Buddhists to Judaism to Catholicism to uh, Muslim, it's all the same thing. Just treat people well, man. And it's hard for me to admit that growing up, that I sucked at that part. I sucked at treating people well. But now that I've got kids and a wife who allows me to be an idiot at everything else, uh, I have to be good. I have to. Because the second I backslide on something little, I'll backslide into something big. Uh, so for me, if I'm going to be the father I want my kids to have around, if I'm going to be the type of uh, adult I want my kids to be, um, I got to treat people better. Sometimes even if I don't like them, um, that's usually where the, the biggest challenges come from. It's trying to respect people that I don't find very respectful. But if I don't do it, all I'm doing is feeding into the problem going to try to be right. I'm going to try to be as nice as I can to people, even if I don't like, I, you know, one of the first rules of business, even the biggest jerk in the world is putting money on your light bulb. Let them, right? Get them out the door. <laughs> be nice as long as it takes to get them away from you. And you solve a lot of problems that way. I mean, you, I was going to say this to the end, but you keep saying that you tell your sons and your daughter not to be like you, to be better than you. But I think that if they could be, if they could grow up to be as wise and and successful and self-aware uh, as you are, then like they are ahead of the game for sure. Because you got, you, you've been one of those that took the bad things and you, you, you know, made them like work for you. You, you grew from them and you are able to look back and you can see it shows the growth because you're able to look back and you have shame over what the way you used to be. And that, that just proves that you are, you know, a significantly better person now, maybe, you know, a complete 180. And, yep. and I, I applaud that. Like you are, a, I would, I, we will never be able to hang out probably because we're in Tennessee and you're in uh, Kansas, I, I assume, yep. but you know, I would be happy to, to hang out, you know, and, and chill with you because you are uh, a really cool guy. And, you are doing things for for kids that you know that aren't yours that are not your responsibility and that despite that that need that and that get a lot from that and that maybe would be on the path that you were when you were a kid if you were not doing that for them so i like 
I, I'm gonna have to put you down for for uh, future dad of the week, man. I um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like uh, embarrass you or nothing because I feel like I get the sense that you're not like super great with compliments, but I I come across a dad every now and again in these interviews, and they just they you know they're inspiring, and I'm gonna have to uh, you know put you down for that award whenever we get back to you know actually having the time to to give those out on the podcast. I'm going to, you know, we're, we're going to put you in and, and celebrate you that day because you definitely uh, deserve what little, uh, what little we're going to give you and, and much, much more. I, I appreciate that, but it really, you know, uh, stories that, that made up my life um, growing up, you know, I, I, even after my youngest son was born and I thought that I had, I thought I had a really good grasp on life. And I thought that, you know, I was, I was, Going back to college, and I'm thinking that you know I'm I, I've made my life. I'm I'm doing well. I had started seeing a therapist, and, and I thought, well, this is going to help, right? Uh, they diagnosed me with PTSD, and I'm like, well, I, I was never a soldier. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I was able to kind of get the help I thought I needed. And then one day, I just I had a, a a memory dump. I dumped all this crap onto my therapist's lap, and I all of a sudden I felt great, right? I I feel I feel empowered. I have, I've, I've, I've let it all go. Right. And my therapist wrote his phone number down on the back of his card, gave it to me, says, I want you to call me when you get home. And I said, why? And he goes, because uh, uh, you're not doing well. I said, what are you talking about? I feel great. You know, I, I, I have, I've told you everything, right. I, I have told you the, the worst of stuff And he goes, you're not doing well. Um, and, and you're going to have a very rough night. He goes, I want you to call me. And I said, whatever. Um, I, I, I did not make it out to my truck before I decided to kill myself. Um, and I was on my way home and, and uh, I, I decided I was going to wreck my truck into the side of a bridge. Bank. And, and I got up to 95 and I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. And then I'm thinking, wait, I'm going to go home and I'll feed my kids dinner. Right. I'll feed my kids dinner. I'll spend one last night with them and then I'll do it. Um, so my kids go to bed. My wife goes to bed. And I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking, I've got to explain to them why I'm going to do this because I'm going to do it. And I took a uh, took one of the bullets out of my gun and I put it in my mouth. I'm sucking on this so that I will know what it's going to taste like when I pull the trigger. And I wrote this suicide note um, and I typed it out. It, was, uh, it ended up being almost four pages. And at the very, very end, just as I'm getting ready, I put the bullet back in the gun, I put it out of my mouth, I'm getting ready to pull the trigger. I've got tarp down on the couch because I'm thinking I'll keep the couch clean. My youngest son, who is almost two, starts crying. Almost one o'clock in the morning, starts crying. So I get up and I go running into the bedroom because I don't want him to wake up my wife. Because the gunshot wasn't going to wake her up, right? No, the screaming kid is. Um, and, and I pick up my son and start bawling. And I, I made it back out to the living room. I called my therapist. Said, "You asshole, you were right. I'm not doing good." And he goes, "He goes, no. He goes, uh." Uh, the things that you told me tonight, it would take people decades of treatment to get over. And I said, uh, I said, I, I, I can't, I can't go through another night like this because you won't have to. He goes, because you're holding the reason you're never going to struggle again. He's right. He was absolutely right. Now that doesn't work for everybody. It, it doesn't. Um, there are people who struggle uh, huge. Um, uh, there are trauma responses that people can never, ever, ever come to grips with. I, I have scars on my heels from my stepdad who made me stand in the corner on my on my tippy toes, and he put thumbtacks underneath my feet uh, for hours. 
um, shit like that. For years that went on, right? And so for me, it's not about me being the good dad now. It's just about not being the men who I had in my life. I was never going to let my kids see that. That's where the 10-minute rule came from. That's where, you know, uh, I grew up in Georgia. So, you know, I spanked my kids, right? I say that. I think I probably spanked each of them maybe five times in their entire life because the rule was my wife is brilliant. She said, you can never spank them while you're angry. Dude, that was the smartest thing in the world. Because, and the other rule we had was you can never spank them more than they are years old. So, you know, a three-year-old, you're only going to spank them three times. They're not going to spank them 40. At some point in time, it stops being disciplined and turns into corporal punishment is is good and turns into abuse, right? So uh, uh, we had these rules and, you know, I would always let my kids talk me down. So, so the rule, I have to calm down before I can spank you. So we're going to talk while I'm calming down and you're going to explain to me why you did this. And then you're going to tell me how many times you think you should be spanked. And they always came up with a number way beyond what I was thinking. I'm thinking, you know, you're going to get swatted on the butt twice and they're thinking 15 times. And like, Where are you coming up with these numbers, right? Uh, but man, these kids were able to kind of, they were kind of able to teach me how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be one. I'd never been one before. I didn't have one in my life to teach me how to be one. So while I'm raising my kids, my kids are raising me. Um, and so to say I'm a good dad now, it's because I have good kids, because I have a good wife, it's because I have good friends around me. Um, I, I cut out all of the bad. If you were toxic, I didn't want you around me. I have friends of mine who are doing life in prison. I have friends of mine who uh, have struggled with drugs. I, now, these are people who I care about, and I will... I'll put money on your books, but you're not coming into my home because I don't want my kids to be around. I can't trust them not to have you rub off on them. So for me to be a good person is only because I have good people around me. Uh, otherwise, I would be right back to doing the same. Thing. We are coming down here toward the end. I don't want to take this uh, straight into the final lap uh, before Dan has a chance to get to anything else he wanted to ask, though. Are you uh, got anything <clears throat> no. left on your list, Dan? No, that about sums everything up. You've given us some amazing content. It seems like every yeah. single thing I ask you, no matter how silly, you turn it into something that I'm going to grow from and learn from. Um, <laughs> but with that in mind, we do like to give the guests uh, the last part of the podcast to promote or talk about anything that we didn't get to or that they have going on. Like I said before, I'm kind of going into this blind for the most part beyond your name. So I don't know if you have a podcast yourself or anything beyond your your businesses that you're you're promoting on a, on a, on the regular. But uh, throw it at us if there is anything out there, or, or if you just wanted to uh, touch on anything that we didn't talk about. You know, I I first I just want to say thank you. Like this is the first interview I've done uh, in a podcast setting. I've I've been interviewed from a couple of other platforms before. Um, uh, but I, I, other than uh, Time Suck, I don't really know a lot about podcasts. I've had to learn. I fucking love that one, man. I uh, love that. I, I had a friend of mine introduce it to me uh, last year, and I have 
binged every damn episode I can. You look uh, a little bit like him, like a little. You resemble him just a little bit. That, that's that's the best compliment I'm going to take away from this. Uh, uh, so, uh, and now that I have the name of yours, I'm going to binge all of your episodes also that are on Spotify. Um, well, I appreciate that. We're nowhere near as good, yeah. but uh, I do I do appreciate that. I like it. I, I I'm having fun. Um, you know, I, I will tell you that. The biggest thing for me, I have I have so many people who I could reach out for and so many things that I could be thankful for, kind of try to promote. Um, uh, the one thing I do want to talk about, and I actually have a friend of mine who's going to listen to this later on, I'm sure. Um, I have a friend of mine, uh, more than a friend, he's a brother, that his daughter uh, was killed by a drunk driver in February. Um, and it, it it crushed him. And I was I was asked to do the eulogy. And it was tough, right? I didn't know how to get through that, but I had to for him. And so one of the things that we came up with that I, it means so much more now than I thought it would. And it's kind of grown legs and grown into this own little uh, entity almost. But one of the things that we come up with is it's so easy for people who are going through any kind of drama, any kind of trauma, any kind of, of, horrible experience it's so easy to focus on all the things you're missing out on instead of just mark the boxes of the things that you've done it's so easy to look at the death of a child and, and to look at they're never going to graduate high school they're never going to get married they're never going to have kids they're never going to experience their first career um rather than go they had a first love they had a first dance they had a first movie with mom and dad you know, maybe they got their first driving lesson. Uh, the things that you can check off will always outweigh the things that you can. And so that's the one thing I would leave with you guys is just to take the time to focus on the things that you have got to do instead of the things that you'll never get done. Uh, your list will be much more positive. Your day will be much, much better. Um, and you'll cherish positive memories instead of all the, the the things that you could possibly miss out on. I didn't realize until I watched him struggle with that how important that was going to be for us and my own family. For us now, we are kind of in a spot where we can look at each other and go, man, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my son doing pole vault instead of football. At least he's here. Right? You know, my, my my daughter, who is almost 15, I'm teaching her how to drive. I can get her to use one foot instead of two. <laughs> we might be able to get through it better. Um, but at least I'm able to teach her how to drive. Watching the, the trial with the drunk driver, watching uh, how all of this has played out, there has got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way to focus on the positive instead of the negative. And there's got to be a better way for us treat the people who we care and for me it just came down to focusing on the things that they're here for and not the things i'll never get to do it'd be really easy to focus on the back for me that's what i would leave you guys with focus on the things that you've gotten to check off and not the things you'll never get i want you to know it's over Smell that, Bill? 
Smells like someone died. You need that bad guy.